You are now tuned in to Saved and Woke. Yes, I am. What up, everybody? It's your boy, MSW. That's Mr. Saved and Woke, also known as Juan Enrique Tusey. And in this episode, I had another conversation with my man, Mr. Magnificent Miles. Um, we switched up the format a little bit, tried to add in some new topics. We're going to see how this switch up goes. Uh, as usual with my conversation with Miles, it went a little long, so we decided to split the conversation into two parts, so two episodes, and this is episode one. Um, but without further ado, please enjoy. What up, everybody? It's your boy, Mr. Satan Woke. And I'm Mr. Magnificent Miles. Yeah, so this is my first show after graduation. Woo! Yes. <laughs> your boy, MSW, got his MSW, finally. So things have been great if you follow me on instagram at mr underscore saving the woke you have seen some of the pictures and today is saturday the 18th probably going to post some more pictures just because i feel like um it's a great feeling yeah it's amazing i did the program that i was in was was for three years it was three years of long lots of work basically a lot of work and i'm so so glad to be done <laughs> I've never yeah I've never I think worked that hard before for so long like I graduated undergrad but I wasn't working hard <laughs> I wasn't working hard and I barely got out in the year that I was supposed to I mean yeah. look it's not about how long it took you to get there it's all about did you make it yes and, yeah <laughs> but it, it is nice to have made it and to have made it with on the the schedule that we had laid out at the beginning so hey congratulations yeah i think did we, i think we, we posted the video like i was able to walk with with eliana so that was really good a really cool moment if my wife hasn't posted it if it's not already up i'm gonna make sure it's up <laughs> today definitely by the time this episode posts definitely <clears throat> so uh, another thing that's of note that I want to share is that probably no one cares about. That <laughs> I finally got to see Avengers Endgame this uh, past weekend. Ah, yes. Did you get to see it? Yes, I did. I definitely saw it on Tuesday for the cheap. <laughs> During the daytime when nobody else was around so I could sit there and uh, yell and cry and laugh in the theater without being interrupted by another a hundred people <laughs> <laughs> yeah man it was like so i love marvel comics mm -hmm. and i've i've enjoyed a lot of these movies so some of them have not been my favorite yeah um the avengers movies probably the best <clears throat> of all of them and i've really enjoyed like the the spider-man was homecoming homecoming or yeah it's homecoming right mm -hmm. homecoming was really good the next one looks like it's going to be good too far from home yeah far from home but avengers endgame that was such a good movie. So, like, in terms of just satisfaction and fan service, 
that was probably <laughs> one of the best movies yeah ever they tied up a lot of loose ends and a lot of times like you get like tv shows and other movie series they'll try to tie up the loose ends but they mm -hmm. do it in such a haphazard way that looks like it doesn't look like it would actually that's like the only reason it happened like this is because it's the end of the series and y'all yeah. had to end it but they did it in what it seemed like a really organic way yeah so i, I loved it i definitely think uh end game was very purposeful yeah. it was a very purposeful end a solid bookmark and it was a great send-off to most of the original characters yeah and um when I saw it, I was like satisfied. I saw a lot of uh, reviews and people saying that, oh, well, this in-game wasn't <clears throat> friendly for people new to the series. And I was like, it's not for you. This this literally <laughs> out of all the movies, this is 22 movies in and it's saying, hey, this is the end. It's not even here's the thing. It's not even the first one in the series of the movie that it was. It's literally a sequel of a sequel of a sequel. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's like going to see, I don't know. It's like going to see the, the last, last Star Harry, Wars movie. Yeah. Or yeah, like the last, last Harry Potter, Potter movie. And being mad that it was like inaccessible. Was like, <laughs> this is the end. It's not for you. Exactly. It's not for you. So, I mean, I loved it. Um, I'm probably, I'm a huge Captain America fan. Wow. And I am a huge Thor fan. Those Word. are those are my two favorite ones. Hmm. Funny Thor though. I like Funny Thor a lot. Hmm. So like post uh Thor 2, like anything after Thor 2 with Thor in it, I was like, yes, I'm in. I'm all for it. Hmm. So but I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. It was a lot of good laughs in it. They they solved up, they wrapped up everybody's timelines pretty well. And I'm just, I'm happy. That's what's up. Yeah. I am ready to see Black Panther 2, though. So, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's funny. I like that you said, see, like, that's another reason why I like having on the show. Because you said you're a Captain America fan. I don't like Captain America. Ooh, okay. And, I mean, the reason that is, and I promise y'all, we're going to get to the Save the World stuff. But I just wanted to take a detour <laughs> because your boy's on summer vacation. All right. <laughs> Sometimes you have to take a little break from yeah. from being yeah. so gung ho. Yeah. All right. So 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 wait. So you're not a Captain America fan? No, no, I'm not. So even before the MCU got started, I didn't like mm -hmm. Captain America because I'm like, well, to people who know the comics, like me, like I know like the Captain America of the movies is not the same as the Captain America in the comics. And so the Captain yeah. America in the comics, he has like his power, so to speak, is technically not even superpowers. Because how they describe him is like the, the superhuman serum that they got, or the super soldier serum that mm -hmm. they gave him, basically is like if an Olympic athlete was having like an adrenaline rush, but all the time. All the time. That's Captain yeah. America. <clears throat> And I was like, that's quite impressive. You know, he could do probably a lot of cool things yeah. that we could never hope to do. I was like, however, like the other people who actually ha actually have s crazy superhuman strength, like even Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. Spider-Man is stronger than Captain America. Should be. He, he I mean, strength-wise, he's yeah. stronger than Captain America. Captain America, even in the comics, still beats him, though, because he's better fighter. He's, he's got like, actual technique and yeah. just like years and years of actual 
actual wars that he's fought in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But even then, I just think like he's overhyped and it's just I, I didn't like him. And and in Infinity War, like for <laughs> Captain America is the Avenger that I've been hoping to die for so long. Oh no! <laughs> and so I thought I thought it was gonna happen in Infinity War um. when. Um, he when when Captain America like caught spoilers if you haven't seen Infinity War, Infinity bro. If you War. haven't seen Infinity War, <laughs> I just want I wanted to make sure I said. It. Yeah, okay. Thank you. you know what? Thank you, sir. That's why. That's but what, proceed. Yeah. So Infinity spoilers War. for Infinity War. <laughs> so there's a moment when Thanos is duking it out with all the Avengers. Captain America comes up and quote-unquote catches his fist or his mm. hand or something as he's like striking out and i put catches in quotation marks because when i saw <laughs> this preview i saw it was that was a shot that was in one of the trailers and i was like wait i know how strong captain america is and i know how strong thanos is and thanos at base level can give base level hulk We'll run for it. <laughs> and there is no oh, way Hulk. that Captain America could do anything against a punch from the Hulk, right? And so when he was looking at it, I was like, oh, okay, I know what they're going to do. They're going to make people think, oh, man, Captain America's willpower is so great. And then, like, Thanos was just going to swat him. And that's going to be it for Captain America. And the re <laughs> so and I, another reason I thought that might have been happening is because I know, like, these people's contract is coming to an end. Yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, this is how they're going to do it. Finally, he's going to bite it. But he didn't. <laughs> and that was also confusing because I'm like in the comics and, and even in, okay, spoilers for Endgame. <laughs> there's a point when <laughs> uh, Captain America's fighting Thanos again. He has a shield. He's like taking the brunt. He's taking uh, his, Thanos' punches with his shield. And I'm like, you mm -hmm. look, man, even if he had a shield, like you, you would like dislocate your arm at the... At, at the least, because there's a there's in in the comic books, <clears throat> Captain America's talking to Thanos at one point, Cap and Thanos like not even looking, not even paying attention to him. The most disrespectful thing ever. He just backhands him, <laughs> breaks his neck, and he dies. <laughs> anyway, that didn't happen. But <clears throat> and it's actually funny that so I don't like clearly I don't like Captain America. I didn't like Captain America no. for all the overhyping. But my favorite scene in Endgame was all about Captain America. I was like, yo. Everything in that, that final fight. Know, that final fight was. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. <clears throat> I like Captain America, and I'm probably the goody two-shoes out of the two of us, right? So I legitimately, I legitimately am the biggest fan of Superman and Captain America. Mm. <laughs> like, I'm the boy, deep down inside, I'm like the Boy Scout. I was a Boy Scout, actually, I am an Eagle Scout. <laughs> but uh, even with that, like, I kind of fell on the side of, of, like, even with Civil War, I fell on the side of Captain America. I was like, I kind of. I definitely was on his side in Captain America. Yeah. I, I was like, I kind of like Cap. I like, kind of like Cap. So, like, to, and honestly, through all his movies, I felt like his movies were consistently the better movies in the MC. That's true as well. I still don't like them. That, that's, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. But at the end of the day, I was like, okay, I can live with this. They finished it up. They tied everything up nice they and neat. They tied up everything really nicely. I, fe I feel bad about Hope, though, and I feel bad about uh, Black Widow. Okay. I'm not going to say anymore. We're not, <laughs> we're, we're not going to go yeah. too deep into it, but... Uh, 
Professor Hulk. <laughs> but that actually is from the comic book. It though. is, but yeah. it was just so lame. <laughs> yeah, the way they did it was lame. <laughs> he yeah. didn't get he didn't fight, he dabbed. <laughs> you know, like what what was it? Yeah, he didn't get to fight a lot. No. But I wanted a rematch after he got bodied in, in Infinity War. Oh, he got bodied so so horribly. Spoilers, sorry. <laughs> That's literally the first second of yeah. Infinity War. <laughs> like, yeah, just to establish that this is nuts. We're not in Kansas anymore, kids. No, no. They bodied him in, well, Thanos bodied him in the beginning of the movie. I will say this, though. I, I felt like throughout Infinity War, they throttled Thanos' powers up and down. So they made him really strong at the beginning, then they weakened mm -hmm. him, then they, they really played with his strength a lot, which was really weird to me. Yeah, I mean, all of the Infinity Gems or Infinity Stones, whatever they call them. They're all overpowered, and you can just do pretty much anything you want with any single one of them. Yeah. So, it didn't really make sense that it took so much. I mean, but, you know, they did the same thing with, like, Tony. Like, there's no way Tony should have been able to fight Thanos by himself. True. I thought, <laughs> yeah, true. I do, like, I do like Iron Man better, because his suit actually does give him, like considerable super strength but you're right because i was even when they were when he was fighting him i was like what is he gonna do <laughs> but the only thing that but, thing that that saved it from being just completely ridiculous besides the fact that we're talking about imaginary characters is that <laughs> he had that nanotechnology yeah and he had given i think even in that movie before they got to thanos he had given himself some upgrades yeah specifically for fighting thanos or just somebody crazy strong but still it was like i mean so one of my biggest issues when we look at characters like uh, Iron Man and Batman mm -hmm. is that they're fighting their regular humans in whether it's suit of armor or whatever you, it may be, and they're fighting gods. <laughs> and you may have the strength to hold back, but if you get hit inside of a metal suit, you're going to bang around <laughs> and all that. You're still going to get injured. Mm -hmm. So then it's super weird when I'm like, oh... Tony was perfectly fine after getting a building dropped on him. All right. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to end it there. Like, Endgame was amazing. It was a yes. great way to cap I off. I loved it. I loved it. Cap off graduation. It was great. And a shout out to my wife, Monique Toussaint, because throughout this whole, this the three years of graduation, everything I've done, class, like first off, applying to grad school, mm -hmm staying in it sticking it through and even and with the podcast i wouldn't have done yeah. the podcast without without monique she's given me a lot of a lot of tips and counsel because monique is very very industrious herself she was the one who was out here doing her thing before me like she wrote a book she published a book while she was in grad school mm -hmm. i was just like dang <laughs> she's also the voice of that brother say that woke yeah 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 she graced she graced the introduction and as y'all know she you know gave a gave the the message for this week letting y'all know that i was gonna be taking a break but coming back soon but like monique she has been she might help me <laughs> she's actually she's actually doing that um legitimate yeah and she's really committed to that as a godly wife and she depends on the lord to do it and she does so enthusiastically she loves it and i love her for it so thank you monique love you so much um with that said we're gonna go forward with a conversation for today i'm switching things up a little bit i'm trying to 
I'm tinkering with the format of the show. So usually I talk about one topic and at length for the entire episode, but today I'm talking about a few a few things, and I'm I'm pretty excited because one I think it will help the conversation flow better, uh, flow easier, and I'm also following up on my promise to you all to talk about current events <clears throat> as they happen, kind of. <laughs> so, so kind of. Yeah, so there's a lot that goes on. I see a lot of stuff on Instagram and Twitter and on the news and hear about things on the news and stuff. And just how busy I was with school, it just made it really difficult to hear something, have my reaction, and then want to like research a little bit just so I could come with, you know, slightly more of an informed opinion mm-hmm. on the show. But now I got time <laughs> and I can do that. So we're going to get to the current events. First, I want to talk about some books I've been reading because I read a lot. I love reading. Miles loves reading more than I do. We both love reading. And I've told y'all before that I've been reading this book called Woke Church by um, Eric Mason, who is a minister from, I say Philadelphia? I'm not sure. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. He is a fellowship in Philadelphia. Yeah. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Boom, right there. And so I'm still in the process of reading this book. I want to read this entire book before I talk about it. And I already have a guest in mind who I want to discuss it with. And I just want to remind you, like one of the things I, I knew I was going to read. I wanted to review this book. But I was pretty sure I wanted to review this book before I even read it. And then when I read his definition of wokeness or woke, I was like, oh, yeah. Uh, it, because it, in his definition of woke, encapsulates uh, the the saved and wokeness of it. So he he approaches social justice from a completely Christian standpoint. And his definition says, so woke, able to understand how cultural, socioeconomic, philosophical, and historic realities inform our responsibility as believers in Jesus Christ. That's very clear, clean cut. It's requires i think definitely more discussion um whether you are new to the term or not but i think that's just a great a great definition to you so more to talk about with this book here but that's all i'm going to share about it today the other book that i'm reading is one book that i just i got i got this actually over the week over this past weekend monique and i we were just out walking about because we had the time and <laughs> we were in good old Wally Wall and Monique was like I just want to check out some books she's like you know what let's just you know we haven't done this in a while and by this she meant like just go out see something we want and then buy it in that exact moment right so she said do you see anything you like like would you want to buy this and I was like yeah and so I saw this book I thought it was funny I thought the title was funny it's called how Not to Get Shot and Other Advice from White People by D.L. Hughley and Doug Moe. And so, here's, here's the uh, cover. I, I giggled a little bit when I read the title. <clears throat> and pretty sure you can guess by the title, especially if you know anything about D.L. Hughley. That basically, so this book is a pretty, is a satirical, tongue-in-cheek commentary on the advice, quote unquote, that um, white people tend to give black and brown people when 
like the next when when stories of um, police brutality yeah come about. And the reason I one one thing that I like about it is that one it's funny because D.L. Hughley is a comedian, and it still has a lot of good information in it. Um, the reason I decided to read this first thing after grad school is because I was like I was tired of reading like academic stuff, but then I still kind of cheated because it's you know still kind of woke and it's got like data and statistics and stuff in it. So it's funny because it's I mean Theo Hughley's a comedian and he's a he's a pretty funny guy, um, and but it's also relevant and it still hits hard like a lot of the facts in there still hit hard. He's, he's not dancing around the truth and I feel like this book kind of is a crystallization of one of the i guess pretty beautiful things about black culture in that we can suffer and be aware of everything that's going against us talk about it but but in a way that is fully aware but and it, but still humorous mm -hmm. and it kind of is like it, it, and that in and of itself it's kind of liberating and almost i guess a little and, and a little empowering yeah um yeah. Had you heard anything about this book? I have not, but I can already piece together some of the things that he talks about. And I do appreciate that. Sometimes D.L. Hughley isn't the best person to take, uh, to hear speak on certain issues. Oh yeah, definitely not. <laughs> but um, the one thing I appreciate is that typically when you look at a lot of black people, we find, we find a, a way to find levity and our happiness, our joy, our comedy in the face of, honestly, in the face of so much, so, so many different odds is big. And it really, it really makes me think about how happiness as a form of resistance. Mm. Yeah. How happiness and joy is a form of resistance in a world where they're literally putting out articles every other week telling us that, Oh, well, you're poor because you sleep too much or you shouldn't buy you shouldn't buy avocado toast because uh, because that's stopping you from owning a house. What? Oh, OK. Well, whatever. <laughs> but there's a lot of, a lot of meaningless, uh, uh, a lot of like meaningless uh, critiques that a lot of poor people get from people who are multi-billionaires. Mm -hmm. And people who just aren't targeted by this, by the particular form of oppression yeah. that's being highlighted. Well, sometimes it's even by people who are still are targeted by it. Yes, <laughs> that's the worst. And they don't they don't realize that, or they still have a desire to hold themselves up over somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it gets kind of messy. It gets kind of confusing, but. Hearing a DL, I can easily see DL having good researchers behind mm. him to give him good facts, crafting really funny stories. He has a lot of connections in the industry, so I can I can understand why that book would be a good read. Yeah, have you finished it? No, I've got, I've finished part one of part of the five parts that he has, but part one is mm -hmm. by like definitely the longest one. Okay, I just started part two. I have an excerpt that I'm going to read, but one thing before I get into that. My favorite thing about this book is mm -hmm. that so he, he he actually does so the the premise of the book is that he's he's like you know what we've been getting shot and killed for a long time maybe white people are onto something so I'm just gonna lay out all the advices they've ever given us 
and give you tips on how to follow it. Okay. <laughs> and the best thing about it is he does present different pieces of advice, including the pieces of advice that contradict one another. <laughs> so okay. like there's one part where it says when the police tell you something to do, make sure make sure you comply fast because sometimes people just didn't um, comply fast enough and they got shot. And then the next section is make sure you comply slow because <laughs> so many times people move too fast after um, trying to respond to police orders and then the police get jumpy and they get shot. So stuff like that. <laughs> And I think, the, to me, I think that's the most powerful point. Mm-hmm. Part of this book is that it shows how contradictory the logic is, which shows you that there really is no logic behind it. It's just that whatever, whenever police shoot someone, shoot an unarmed black person, because... Is this book only around um, police brutality and similar <laughs> things like that? Yes. Okay. So far, yeah, because I mean, I've not get shot. Well, I mean, I didn't know if the other advice would be like how to avoid getting pulled over by. Yes, he has a part in that. So um, <laughs> <laughs> he actually talks about uh, how to how to how to how to get a car that does not match the description. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it's in this section of like how not to, how to how to look. Um, oh. Basically, yeah, it's really, it's really, really funny. I probably will just like post some of the funny stuff on um, on my Instagram. But I'm gonna read one section, and that is pretty funny, and I think is a good example. Um, so Miles said earlier that DL is probably not the best source all the time on pretty much anything, and I agree because like like. Yeah. It, even his like his stand-up comedy, I've never really been a fan. I was never a fan of his show either, just because I didn't really think it was that funny. And just in general, especially like when he's being interviewed, he curses mm-hmm. a lot. And there's definitely a lot of cursing in this in this book. And I'm reading the section that doesn't have any cursing yet. <clears throat> so, and this section, the title of this chapter that I'm going to read from is called... This is part two, which is how to look. The first part is how to not get shot. And this is how to look. So, this section is called which is at the first section of this chapter says look unique. So look so unique that you're that nobody's going to look like you at all. Like you got he has a picture of flavor flav. He's like nobody ever mistake. No one's going to match this description. All right? Then the next section says don't look unique. So again, <laughs> it's that juxtaposition. Yeah. So it says here, if you don't want to put the energy to be totally unique, you can always go the other way. Be totally unremarkable. Have no distinguishing marks. Think of a guy you don't remember and be like him. Got it? <laughs> nice try. That guy was way too memorable. You remember him. That's a guy you can't remember. You're trying to be the most unremarkable black person you could ever be. You need to go deeper. You want to remember a guy you don't remember. That's the guy. Maybe he's a guy you're not sure you even have ever met. He might not even exist. Think of what he's wearing. It's probably some kind of khaki pants, but who can say? And he's got a shirt on? Maybe a blue shirt. Maybe a tan shirt. Impossible to know. How tall was he? Average. Glasses? Sometimes. That's your guy. So, that's just one one little excerpt. And I have been giggling 
while reading this and also it's a good reminder because he cites the the names of people who have been shot and killed or brutalized and killed in some way by the police mm -hmm. and it's like dang I was like I really and he, he, a lot of them I, I was already familiar with mm -hmm. and there's a lot that I didn't know so I'm still reading through it uh, I think it's like that like I said I think the the best part about it is that it shows how the logic of all the advice that mm -hmm. white people often give black people so would you say this sense. book would you say this book isn't for us isn't for us yeah how so because i think the satire right that i think a lot of the satire is supposed to uh show non-black people like how ridiculous the advice that they give black people on how to, how not to get shot. So me reading that, I would laugh, uh -huh. but it's like, yeah, I know there's nothing I can do because I can remember, anybody that I can remember how they look, I can't look like them because they're too memorable. Uh -huh. Or I'm not about to Especially go that this shirt, bro. Look. <laughs> So this was not planned. <laughs> I didn't know what the plan was for today, and I happened to wear the most ridiculous shirt I possibly could yeah, today. Uh, so everybody listening, you're not going to be able to see, obviously, but I'm going to take a picture of him before he leaves. <laughs> I will. The day this posts, I'm going to post this picture so y'all can see what he looks like. <laughs> I mean, this is I not the shirt you want to wear if you try not to get shot. I look or maybe fine. it is if you're t if you want to be right. unique. If they're not, go they're not gonna mix me up. I'm not gonna fit the description because they're gonna say a yellow shirt with red, orange, green, and blue circles. Mm. But what if the guy was wearing a colorful shirt? Mm. Then you're too unique. Nope, sorry. There See, you are. I can't make it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I get what you're saying. Um, and in terms of like, it's not not being for us because it's supposed to be educating us. I I do think it is for us because it's like. The type of humor that he's using <clears throat> is, I guess, the type of... Is, he's joking about it the way I've joked about it mm -hmm. with you and with with other people who are mostly black people who know, <laughs> who, know, who, know <laughs> who know what the deal is in terms of police brutality. And mm -hmm. so I, I think it is for us. And I think it it's also... It's accessible to non-black people who are open like people who you know listen to podcasts about this kind of stuff <laughs> and would want to learn about this um so yeah i think it is for us good book good book check um, it out read it with caution because like if you just don't like stuff with cursing in it at all then this is not the book for you parental discretion advice parental discretion advice yeah this is not for this is not family read but it's got a lot of lessons you should take out and share with your family. Um, things that they ought to know. Um, so, those are the books that I'm reading right now. And we can go on <clears throat> and move to the next topic. So, do you ever watch The Daily Show? Occasionally. Occasionally. So when I was in high school, not high school, when I was in college, I watched The Daily Show all the time. Mm. Uh, I just don't watch TV that much anymore. That's true. Yeah, I, the reason I hardly ever watch this is because I don't watch TV no more. 
the clip, the what I see of it is usually just like clips I, I see from Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, but for those of you that don't know, The Daily Show is a satirical uh, news show. Yeah, it's a satirical news show um, that's hosted by Trevor Noah on Comedy Central. And they do actually report the news. So they have, mm -hmm. they, they, they report the news, but then they also have like sketches mm -hmm. um, and semi scripted. <clears throat> semi-scripted interviews and those are clearly not that those are the the sketches is not real news and it's presented in a way they on the show they present it as if it's the actual news but you know that it's not the news but they do actually have commentary on the actual news and then they have um, actual political figures come in and they'll, they'll interview them on the show and it's based, uh, originally it didn't start off with Trevor Noah, it originally had uh, Jon Stewart. Mm -hmm. And from The Daily Show and that type of doing comedic and news Steve Colbert reporting. Colbert started on The Daily Show too. Yep, Steve Colbert. So The Colbert Report, which is now, he's now on The Nightly Show? I don't I don't know. Don't watch. The we movie. can we can <laughs> we can sit sit here and talk about that all day. But it it started a brand new type of accessible news reporting with a comedy edge, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's uh, parodies of right wing uh, news. Sometimes parodies of left wing. Yeah. Uh, depends on which show you're looking at. Yeah. And um, but it does a pretty good job of covering like general concepts of things that are important in the world yeah so what i'm going to do now is i'm going to share this clip with miles and with the rest of you watching and listening and we're going to talk about how well what i thought about it and i'm going to see what of course what miles thought about it so i uh, have not seen anything that he's showing me so this yeah. you will get the uh live response uh yes video and reactions yes and so a, a little bit is lost for those who are going to be listening to the podcast but the thing the main thing i want to talk about has nothing to do with the with the visuals so we're going to take a second for us all to watch or listen to this segment of the daily show let's do it hello arctic region with global warming exposing your land's vast natural resources, many people are calling you the new Africa. And as the original Africa, my friends and I wanted to get together to give you a few tips on what to expect when the white people come. First things first, when white people say they are going to stay for just a few days, they actually mean 250 years. If they ask you to help them with some yard work, they're talking about slavery. Another thing, white people might ask to borrow your natural resources, like all your gold. Please remember to put your names on it, because white people, they do not give back. If they ask you to take a boat ride, they are talking about slavery. And most importantly, please get vaccinated, because with white people come many diseases. <laughs> Cholera, smallpox, restless leg syndrome, tuberculosis, and now, back by popular demand, measles. Now, if they say they want to teach you about the love and mercy of Jesus, you get an extra slavery, bruh. So, good luck, my friends. 
And remember, if you need any advice, don't hesitate to call us at the number below. And if you're wondering, how do we know these Africans won't invade our region? Well, good news. We don't with the snow. Okay. All right, so that's that. <clears throat> so real quick, what is, where are they specifically talking about is the Arctic? The Arctic? Uh, I mean, oh, it's, it's up there. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming it's, well, I mean, the Arctic is the Arctic. It's that place up there where Santa Claus lives. Hmm. And you know, <laughs> global warming's thawing it out. So I'm guessing more. So a lot of the land that used to be frozen, mm -hmm. I guess the the southernmost tips of the Arctic are starting to thaw out. And it's like, wow, look at all this land that we can mine and destroy. Probably. Um. So yeah, your your what what is what is your take on um, what you saw from that short clip? It was funny. Uh, I visibly laughed. Mm -hmm. um, there is some level of truth behind it. Like, um, there is like the idea of how we look at colonialization and the, the stealing of resources from the continent of Africa and then turning around and selling it back. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that they're still there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, and the especially and the influence is still there because a lot of them are, a lot of the countries are sovereign nations. But what sovereignty? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was so blown away when I was in college, and I realized that the names of the countries were not the names that the people themselves chose. Yeah. Because, like, nationhood and ethnicity works different over there because there's a lot of people. Who a lot of a lot of different tribes were split just based off of like how mm -hmm. European countries decided to split split the land up. Like mm -hmm. when I specifically when I learned that Kenya was a name that England gave to that region, I was like, my mind was blown. I was like, wait, so they're not Kenyans? <laughs> I mean, everybody they claim they they go by those. Or they weren't originally Kenyans now. Yeah. yeah. Right? You have to, now. But so I went to Ghana for, I think, about, about a month. Mm -hmm. And while I was there, I actually did some work with, uh, like, studying um, African history. And we were talking about West African history. And the most interesting thing is that tribes at that point in time were not divided up the way that we see the countries divided up now. So... You had one tribe of people, like the Ashante tribe. Mm -hmm. Typically, we know who they are from, um, like, they're the ones that came <laughs> up with kente cloth, right? And, and the Dinkra symbols that we see. Like, when we, when we get stuff from West Africa, a lot of that is taken from, some of it is from uh, different tribes in West Africa. But what's interesting is you could have been a part of the Ashante tribe and... You can have family and relatives who were in Ghana, who were in Nigeria, who were also in Togo. And it went right across. And so then when they divided mm -hmm. up the countries, well, like when they created and carved out countries out of Africa, yeah. you can end up as a citizen of a completely different nation than your relatives. Than your relatives. So imagine somebody taking your house and then just dividing it <laughs> in three. 
and saying you you now are a part of this this state while the other half of your house is a part of another state yeah it makes me think of this map that I saw of the United States um, but before it was the United States and it was marked based off of the original like the Native American tribes like their their usual regions before they were before you know colonization and Just it looks honest, yeah, yeah and you know spoilers it looks, <laughs> nothing, it, looks it looks nothing like the the 50 states <clears throat> yeah i mean if you think about it texas grew because of a war with mexico yeah that's also crazy man like i mean Yes, Mexico in and of itself was another colonized country. But mm -hmm. it's like, so, like, America, we, we're taking this land from Native people. And we're also taking land from people who are taking land <laughs> from other people. It's pretty ridiculous. The, the, the history behind America, when you look at it, is really outlandish. Because there are, it is a culture and a history of European... Of violence of robbery of uh rape pillaging assault and just greed that's what it is it's greed love of money is the root of all evil and american history is just a perfect illustration of that everything he said <laughs> <laughs> so when i first look at this it's like it's sad because it's very tongue-in-cheek right it's very tongue-in-cheek it's a lot of warnings um Probably because of course there's no people in the Arctic. Well, I don't know. You know what? I don't know. I shouldn't be sensitive when I say stuff like that. I don't know if there's people in the Arctic. I know there's a lot of a uh, lot of native people who live very very far north, like the Eskimo and other native people. Who, when I looked at them in pictures, I would say, "Oh, that's an Eskimo," and really, Wait, it's not. I think Eskimo is um, derogatory. My Inuit. Inuit. See. Yeah, and see, like, see, I like moments like this because we all gotta learn. You, get, you don't have, you don't have to be perfect to 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 be woke to engage in these conversations. I make mistakes, and when I make those mistakes, I just have to say, "Oh my bad, yeah. I made a mistake, and now I'm gonna do better." So to all my our, our you know majority culture listeners out there, and we and the Save the Woke podcast has a lot, by the way. <laughs> they hit me up on an Instagram every now and then hey. so don't feel bad like I mean every, we all have to do it like everybody has some sort of privilege mm -hmm. and therefore we all have to come to terms with that and all have to unpack it and my unawareness of what to call different native cultures that was exhibited just now mm -hmm. is a form was a form of that privilege because I'm, I'm American I ain't gotta know the thing about privilege is that a lot of times privilege you don't see it and it doesn't necessarily mean that you get some type of benefit from it but some but a lot of times it means that it's the opposite so you oppression. don't yeah it's the you, absence of some form of oppression yeah so a lot of times like i have a lot of i walk in a lot of male privilege in the idea that i can walk the streets late at night mm -hmm. and not really worry or think about, oh my gosh, somebody's going to jump out of a bush and attack me, yeah. or worse. Yeah, I can walk around with my headphones in, or my music blasting, like while I'm running or something, and not, and not be afraid. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's just usually the opposite. It's not like, oh, you get some benefit that you can like consciously, oh yeah, every day I wake up, I'm just like, yes. So glad I'm a man because of X, Y, or Z. It's usually the, ab it's usually the absence, like we said, of yeah. some, <sighs> some form of oppression. Yeah. All right, so tell me, doubling back, so tell me about the video. What so what did you get from your first impressions of the video? The video, so yeah, I thought it was funny. I was like, <laughs> you're right, colonization sucks, and that's probably what they're gonna do, just rip up the country. And then got to the end, I was laughing, I was smiling, I was like, oh man, Daily Show. This is why I used to watch it so much, right? And then it gets to the part where he says, and if they want to tell you about the goodness and mercy of Jesus, you get an extra slavery. And I was like, oh. <laughs> And yeah. So the reason I reacted that way is because that is such a common misconception about slavery and about Christianity's um, use in Slavery, one that I used to believe actually, because every time somebody would say, "Well, you know, man, they, they, as soon as y'all, as soon as we got off the boat, they gave us Bibles and told us to be kind to our masters," and I was just like, "I mean," and the only defense I had to that argument was like, "Well, yeah, but that's not right, though. That that that's that's not the that's not Christianity according to the Bible." And I, 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 I that argument is is true. Um, but what do you think about it? That comment. So. There's so many levels behind that comment, right? Levels. And the first is that it is historically accurate that uh, Christianity was weaponized <laughs> against the slaves. But there are many stories about how Christianity also emancipated us. And when you only look at from one direction, if you only look at one piece, it leaves you with a very cynical a very uh, downtrodden worldview. When, if you look at Christianity, I look at my great grandparents, they would not have made it through Jim Crow if it wasn't for the safety of the black church. Mm -hmm. um, there are so many different stories about our ancestors surviving because they had faith in something. Mm -hmm. Now, that that's something big and very important to consciously remember is that just because it was used here's the thing they can turn any quote people can turn any quote into something to use against somebody else True. how many times have we heard people turn around and use martin luther king's words to say see it we should be judged by the content of our character and you people all of a sudden, it's like, oh, they, they didn't want to read the things talking about the complacency of the white moderate. They didn't want to read mm -hmm. about the things talking about how income inequality is a system that has been designed to oppress. So the idea when people start saying that Christianity start saying that Christianity is this and that's double oppression. No, 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 no. Because in, you can use anything to oppress anybody. The idea is that you have to go deep enough to understand where is the true uh, meaning, what's the true influence, and what's the true idea. Because Jesus Christ has done nothing but save my life. 
As simple as that. Cool. To me. Yeah. <laughs> what well, very well said. And I'll even take it a step further in terms of saying that Christianity originally was not used in any way to enforce slavery or to placate the slaves and to, to, to make them more complicit with slavery. And I didn't know that until I came, I was made aware of a book called um, Christian Slavery. It's by a woman named Catherine Gerbner. And basically, what is a, she just documents Christianity's relationship with um, American slavery. And one of the things that she found out was that originally, <clears throat> slave owners did not want to tell their, they, they didn't want the, their slaves to know about the gospel because they were, and for the specific reason, it's like, like if they, it's like, if, if these people learn the gospel, then there is no way they're gonna stay. There's no way that they're going to allow us to continue to enslave them because the gospel is all about freedom. Yeah. Freedom specifically from bondage. Yeah. And so slave slave owners specifically were like, no, we are not going to allow our slaves to to hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. And and for, for those for that specific reason, and to, and to me that was I, I I haven't read the book myself. I actually found found out about it based off of um, another podcast called uh, the Jew Three Project mm -hmm. um, with uh, with Lisa Fields, and so she was saying that initially that that narrative was not the the case at all. Yeah, and but then it, it did change though mm -hmm. because. After a while, like missionaries, in desperation to preach to as many people as possible, they were like they tried to flip it. Like they're like, okay, well, look, actually, since um, the slave owners think that the gospel will make their slaves hostile to them, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to let them know. Like, actually, you know what? We're going to take these scriptures and we're going to say, look. These scriptures here that talk about being docile and talk about being good to your master, they're all, they're all actually convince your slaves to, to you know, to not rise up and mm. and revolt. It'll actually make them more docile and more and more content where they are. And so that is not that 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 line of logic is not. You don't come. You don't come to that conclusion directly from reading the Bible. Like, oh, mm -hmm. when you know, when I read this, slaves they'll 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 want to 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 stay bound and to stay oppressed. Yeah. Um, that was something that was fabricated out of desperation mm -hmm. by these missionaries who just were really really you know tired of running up against that wall of mm -hmm. not being able to to preach the gospel to all these enslaved African people. And I mean, I think a lot of that is tied to the desire to keep uh, slaves illiterate because... And the reason they wanted to keep them illiterate is so they could not read the Bible and read all those scriptures that talked about freedom. Yeah. That's why slave, That's why they didn't want them to be literate. Yeah. So they could not read the Bible. Not so that they couldn't read in general, so they couldn't learn how to do arithmetic and learn how to, mm -hmm. you know, learn calculus and all that stuff. It was so they could not read the Bible. The, the idea uh, behind it for many generations has been if we keep people ignorant, we can tell them what they what we can tell them what we need to tell them to control them. Exactly. 
And even when you look at the history of the black church with the first, with the establishment of the first uh, African Methodist Episcopal Church, um, a lot of that history is uh, shrouded in, oh, well, black, our, our slaves, we have slaves and free slaves going to church now. Okay, so they're going to church, but we don't want them to read. So a lot of times we learned uh, as the slaves learned how to read from looking at and having their own copies of the Bible and eventually teaching themselves how to read. Yep. Then all of a sudden in that there were more incidences where they said, okay, the Methodist church was one of the few churches that said, okay, well, free slaves can attend church also. So then when you see the history of it, the Bible actually became a liberation tool of slaves by empowering them. And when you listen to even our Negro spirituals, there are tips and how to tell people how to do this and how to do. There was ingenuity hidden in the word that once we received, it gave us strength. The the there's parts with Paul and there's parts when you're looking at the uh, oh, well, uh, slaves be, be kind to your masters. A lot of that is taken out of context, just like a lot of things that we hear nowadays where they're using specific parts and they're cherry picking parts instead of saying, hey, Let's look at the Bible as a whole, mm -hmm. because there's an entire book that's telling a man who's a slave owner saying, hey, yeah. hey, um, your slave is going to be like back. And he also believes in Jesus Christ. So don't take him back as a slave owner. Don't don't abuse him and hold this over him. Take him back as a brother in Christ. Yeah, that's um. Philemon or Philemon, however you pronounce it. You pronounce yeah, it. the whole so <laughs> Philemon was the slave owner, and Paul was writing to him to say, "Look, your slave is coming back. He he ran away, and he's a he's a believer now. But when he comes back, do not beat him. Do not give him the punishment for being um, a, a runaway slave. Basically, but embrace him as your brother in Christ, mm -hmm. and you tell him that he's being commissioned as." Uh, as a prophet, I believe, or just as a, as a minister of the gospel, mm -hmm. and you bless him as your brother, embrace him as your brother, and you bless him, and you share the call that God has put on his life. Yes, um, and and send him out. And that is very important because nobody ever like it seems like you know all these people who are super super woke when they talk about the Bible, nobody ever talks about Philemon. They skip over it because because if they start talking about that, then 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 their understanding. That they think that the Bible is super clear in certain things. Like, oh, well, Paul said this, but Paul also said, hey, don't beat up on your slave. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. certain things were said as historical, right? Because he couldn't just say, hey, everybody just let all your slaves go at that time. Because then that would have called uprising. That would have caused a lot of issues for Christians at that time. But when you look at it over time, he really was like, yo, God doesn't want slaves either, but we're going to get you guys there. We're going to walk you guys through it. There's a reason why uh, there's a reason why it's only a page long. Right. It's like it's like a page, a page it's and a half. It's definitely one chapter. It's definitely one chapter, but it's in there for a reason. Just as important and just as important as people think that the honor your honor, your masters is important. There's also an entire book that literally is saying, hey. He's your brother in Christ. Let go of all that stuff. 
let go of all that all that anger and that entitlement to this other person's life yes and then through it like the bible itself is one narrative of a gracious god who from the beginning before we were even here before sin ever even happened he planned our redemption and you cannot read the entirety of the bible and not see god's uh, a gracious god who loves everybody there's no way that like the the rationalizations of white supremacy that quote unquote use the bible and you, when you read it for yourself you know it's like this is not that's not it at all but most, most people don't read most people don't read you right most people don't read most people don't read the bible and then most people won't read the whole Bible. And most people, when they look for stuff, they're only looking for stuff that agrees with what they already think. Yeah. We, we, we use the Bible as almost as, a, as, I'll use this analogy. We use the Bible often as a medicine cabinet. Oh, I'm feeling this. Let me take this to make sure that feels better. True. Oh, I'm feeling that. Let me use this to make sure that this deals with whatever my problem is. Whatever I think my problem is. Whatever I Let, think my I don't, problem I'm not going to change my diet or my lifestyle to make sure I don't have these problems again. I'm just yeah. going to do what I want to make the problem go away. And I mean, look, as much as people talk about white supremacy, we don't spend enough time talking about how we're supposed to take care of the poor, take care of the sick, take care of the orphans, Take care of the stranger amongst us. Look, like, 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 we, we, we don't spend enough time talking about the things. You can't call yourself a Christian if you ignore everything that Jesus said and you focus only on what Paul said. And that's where the problem is. That's so good. Look, I'm going to pause you there. Okay. We got I got a few more things to talk about, but you on that track already. Go so ahead. we got another, <clears throat> another video that I want to share. And again, the, that book, Christian Slavery, is by Catherine Gerbner. It's on Amazon. Are you going to put it in the liner notes? Yeah, I'm going to put it in the notes and I'm going to post information on the video as well. Beautiful. So now we have another video that I would like a reaction to. Perfect. Talk about. Here we go. I have been given a huge platform across the country, in some forms even around the world, because I'm white. And many black parents lose their children. Many Muslim parents lose their children. Jewish parents lose their children. And nobody pays attention. And because we have this myth of the sacredness of the white female, I've been given a platform. So I'm going to use that platform to keep drawing attention back to where the issues are. Thank you, Ms. Pro. And I, I'm, I'm moved in hearing you speak about these issues so eloquently. And in your experience in, in living through this country and recognizing the privilege that you have, what was that process like for you? How did you come to be able to articulate these points? How did you see it? How did you experience it? And how do you educate others? Always with the mindset of a teacher, I believe in learning what I need to learn and then putting it back out as simply and straightforward as possible. Mm -hmm. For the listener, um, I'm still doing that. I find a lot of people have no clue of the privilege that they have, nor how they should be using that privilege. 
Um, as I mentioned before, many people think being non-racist is okay and that's enough to solve our country's problems and instead we need to be actively anti-racist. And what is the distinction between being non-racist and anti-racist? Non-racist is saying I don't recognize anybody's color, I think that we're all equal and we should all be treated fairly and that's kind to a point. Um, I understand what they're trying to say and it comes from a place of good intention. However, we need to recognize our differences. We need to rejoice in our differences. America is stronger for all of our differences brought together, and we need to accept that and go out of our way to stand up against racism when we see it. To, to be anti-racist means to take an active stance of, I am not going to tolerate that in my presence. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ms. Thank you. Indeed. All right, Miss mm. Bro. <laughs> exactly. So Miss Bro, she is the she is the mother of Heather Hayes, who was the the young lady that was killed in the Charlottesville oh, um, protest. Okay. The one who got who was who, who one of the people who was run over. She was the only one who I believe who died. She was the, from dying. The fatality. Yes, and so that's her mother, Miss wow. Miss Susan Bro, talking about that. And apparently. She's been, you know, she's gotten a lot of attention and she was calling attention to the fact that, you know, yeah, I appreciate y'all giving me this platform, but you're doing it because I'm white. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you clearly are struck by the video yeah. somewhat. I want to hear what you're thinking, man. Um, everything she said is right. Um, I'll be honest. One of the moments, one of the things that I dislike the most whenever I hear from another person is I don't see color. Um, you're all the same to me. I've heard people say, uh, I hate everybody equally. Wow. Um, just all, all those, all those things I think, I think is incorrect. I think is false. I think it's wrong because you need to be able to, you do see differences, you do see color, but that does not mean you need to stereotype or not even stereotype, negatively discriminate against someone because of their differences. Yeah, and I think what people usually do is like, like, well, I'm not racist. And I, since I don't see color, I'm just gonna pretend that it doesn't exist anywhere and that nobody recognizes color. Because guess what? If you don't see color, I guarantee you if something happens in my neighborhood, I guarantee you the police will see color. Exactly. This is like this. Just because you don't Sorry. see color doesn't change the fact that there are these the systems that are built on racism. Because mm -hmm. people will say, oh, well, race is a social construct. Race. Yes, race is a social construct that also has factual and real world implications. Exactly. So... When I talk to people that say, oh, I don't see color, I say, well, I wish you would, because typically color, yes, race it has a lot of, is loaded with a lot of different things. But the reason why we divide things up into race and ethnicity and gender and height and all these different things is because there is a shared learned experience and a shared group of experiences from that. Now, does that mean that everybody in that group has those experiences? No. Does that mean everybody in that group doesn't? No. So what you end up like, Juan, you are Afro-Latino, mm -hmm. correct? Yep. 
So it wouldn't be too far for me to under, to to infer that you might keyword might have experience as being a Latino male and interaction as being a black male. Now, guess what? You could have been raised completely outside of that, yep. devoid of that. Mm -hmm. But you, that still wouldn't change the fact that you have certain experiences from having that background. It wouldn't change the fact that you still exist in that in that sphere mm -hmm. as an Afro-Latino. Yeah. And so what I liked about what she said is that, well, in terms of the whole argument about uh, not being colorblind, I think me and Dee had a conversation about this last season, and I won't beat a dead horse you can just listen to that episode <laughs> but one thing i say was that the response to racism is not to pretend that color doesn't exist it's i think it is to see that color and appreciate it mm -hmm. not just because it's here and it looks nice but because we know who it comes from yeah. it's like god created you like this and so i'm just going to glory um and in his workmanship like like you're beautiful just yeah. as much as i am i see your color i and i recognize that you are yeah. the color that you are and i can and, I, and you can see the beauty in that but you know what it comes from also is that people for you to be able to say you don't see color that's also a sign of white privilege because color doesn't matter to them because they're assumed as them. the default so it doesn't impact them just like i can say oh as a male because men maleness is one of the default characteristics that a lot of people assume mm -hmm. right there's certain things that i that i i can say like oh well i don't really i don't really see what my male privilege is i can say those things because i experience that privilege from it mm -hmm. because it doesn't exist to me because it's something built into the fabric of society like being a white straight male those are the three characteristics that anything outside of those, like white straight maleness, is the default. And anything outside of that default changes things. But here's the thing. You being different from me just is something for me to say, okay, you have different experiences. Tell me the cool experiences. Tell me what's yeah. great. Let's celebrate. Let's enjoy that. And I think if we all, like, if God wanted us all to be exactly the same, we would all exactly be the same. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay to celebrate the differences. Because I have a close friend who's uh, who's Mexican. And I just talk to him all the time. And I say, yo, man, like, I really want to learn better Spanish. And he's like, yeah, sure, let's do it. I'll teach you. And it wasn't just like, and, and it's like, oh, I can celebrate the fact that he has a different cultural understanding or... Uh, experience than I do. Yeah, and getting back to what Miss Bro was talking about, she was saying in terms of it's not enough to be non-racist; you have to be anti-racist. So we are two men. We are non-sexist, but we have to be more than that. Mm -hmm. So whenever we see sexism, we have to call it out. Yeah. So like, especially in the work that I want to do, I got you. I got my master's because you know I want to get some <laughs> higher. I want to get some higher level positions. You know, um, a Mr. Lot of, MSW. Yes, it is MSW. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. If I'm in a position where, I like, because the, was it, the the glass ceiling and and pay differences along gender, 
gender lines is is real. So when I see that, like I'm already, I know, I, like I'm ready to just be like, hold up, why is is this person here being paid so much less for the same work that this gentleman is being paid for mm. right here? And if it and if it's because of sex, I can't, I cannot wait to have that opportunity. To be like, nah, man, we can't. Yeah, we we we, we yeah. cannot continue this. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna um, rectify it then and there. That is being anti-sexist, not just mm. non-sexist. Yeah, um, and I think that 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 is so so huge. And you don't have to be an activist. Just like wherever you see it, just call it out. And wherever you are, it's there. I promise mm. you, <laughs> if you're in America, racism is there. It's and. Oppression is here because we're a society that's mm-hmm. built on oppression. So whenever you see it, you gotta, you gotta call it out. And it takes it takes learning to be able to recognize mm-hmm. it, but you gotta be up for that, task. Up for that task exactly. And it's not it's not that hard. Like I'll say this: one of the biggest things that I've been really spending time. It's actually hard with, to like once you it's once you learn it, it's like you just can never unsee it. So yeah, you're just you yeah. just always know. Like one of the more recent, um, one of the more recent. Uh, lenses I've started to use is understanding ableism so this is something that I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say it now so that in the future we can start rectifying it because it costs resources time and energy but even for this video right you post this video what if somebody cannot cannot see or what if somebody's deaf right but still enjoy uh, still might enjoy what we're putting up there. So sometimes, eventually, you would have to say, man, I might need to get transcriptions and put uh, a transcript of the Early conversation. Summary. Summary, yeah. something. But the importance behind that is when you go into a new restaurant, do they have Braille? Do they have at least one Braille menu? Hmm. Stuff like that. and it's It's small. Yeah, and... I know that. I'm sorry. That was a complete left field. No, so. <laughs> but you, yeah, like that. You you got to notice stuff like that, and then and then call it out. So that's what she was talking about. Yeah, and that's why I, I liked it. that video. I liked it a lot, and she understood her. She understood her um, her privilege because yeah. it is. And to be honest, plenty of people have died by the hands of white supremacists, but a lot of times it gets swept under the rug. But then when it is um when it deals with white womanhood mm-hmm. that's an easy way to get more people to respond definitely go ahead so yeah i got two two more things i want to talk about yeah this episode is getting kind of long i mean you could break it up in the parts yeah we could i think i want to take a break now okay and we get back to it sound good yeah so that's it for the first part of my conversation with Miles, but as always, we got to end it with prayer. So please join me. Lord God, thank you for this episode. Thank you for this this show. Thank you for what we're doing. Thank you for the conversation that we have. I thank you that your spirit is leading it all. Lord God, I pray that what we said, everything that was from you does not fall on deaf ears. Lord God, I pray that our hearts were pricked where they need to be. Lord God, get this episode, get this information, get this revelation out to all those that you know need it. And help us to help us as believers to be firm in our faith and to not to not accept the 
the quick rebuttals and that are so often used to try and undermine Christianity and just basically the, the straight up lies that the enemy uses to to make the gospel to make true Christianity seem false seem evil Lord God uh, give us the revelation give us the the knowledge the understanding to to know what we believe and why we believe it in the name of Jesus we give you glory honor and praise amen so with that ends this first part um, be on the lookout for part two coming soon and as always you know what to do keep the faith and stay woke <laughs>